I realized that, man, that long-term passive income from the rentals was really just my favorite thing in the planet. You know, (laughs) just if, if I get off the couch or not, that money is coming in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. And so I decided I need to scale this bigger and I started learning about syndication. I guess the rest is history. Welcome back, everyone, to the Passive Road to Retirement podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Jarrett. Today, we're joined by Michael Wagman. Michael used to work in high tech and lived in Israel. He moved back to the U.S. at the age of 25 and decided to start flipping houses. Eventually, he got into smaller multi and then wanted to learn syndication. He is now a managing partner with Nimble Capital Group. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. It's good to be here. Yeah, definitely. Good to see you. So maybe uh, for the audience, you can give us just a more detailed background on you know, how you transitioned from tech in Tel Aviv to flipping houses in the U.S. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of you hit the nail on the head there. But um, yeah, I graduated college. I grew up in California. And uh, when I graduated, I was mistaken into believing that there would be jobs waiting for me. Uh, so, you know, I, I searched for a job for quite a while and couldn't find one. So I just kind of up and left and I moved to Tel Aviv. Um, Tel Aviv is a high tech capital of the world. So if you speak English and can sell over the phone, you are infinitely employable. So (laughs) I quickly found myself, you know, working in high tech companies, um, as a SDR and account executive making, you know, pretty good money. And, um, eventually I got to a point where I had a decision where I could keep hopping from, you know, there's this kind of cycle people do there where you work for a company for a while and then you try to move to another tech company and increase your base pay. And it's just, you could kind of keep doing that forever. Um, But I said, you know, I've made a little bit of money and I just, I decided I didn't want to work for anyone else ever again. Um, So my mom had moved from California to Florida in that time. So I decided I'm going to move back to the U S and I landed in Florida and, uh, you know, in Florida, you can buy a house for $66,000. In California, you cannot buy a room for $66,000. Right. So, um, yeah, I just, I, you know, I'd been watching too much HGTV. I think that's really what it was. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I said, I could do that better than they could. You know, <laughs> right. I didn't know anything about real estate. I said, oh, maybe I'll get my real estate license. Then I'll know everything. Well, that was also not true. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't work, right? <laughs> that is a very low barrier to entry in that yeah. profession, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, but yeah, I jumped in and I bought my first house and I said 66 because that's actually what I paid for the first house. Nice. Um, I used all of my own money, all my own cash. I made a, you know, a lot of rookie mistakes, but I never lost money. Um, so I think the first house I probably profited like 14 grand and I was before taxes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good lesson, know. right? The- yeah, but, but I did it, you know, I took that step and I jumped in and then over the course of the three years following that, um, I managed to flip a bunch of houses and slowly acquired some smaller multifamily rentals. I tried to do everything, man. I tried to do wholesaling. I tried to be a realtor. I did Airbnbs with some of my smaller multifamily rentals, but you know, eventually I realized, oh, I did house hacking too. So I, I bought a quad and I lived in one of the units. Yep. Um, 
But yeah, I, I realized that, man, that long-term passive income from the rentals was really just my favorite thing in the planet. You know, it's <laughs> just if, if I get off the couch or not, that money is coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. And so I decided I need to scale this bigger. And I started learning about syndication. I guess the rest is history. I uh, moved to Phoenix. I spent most of 2020 kind of in a mentorship program, learning how syndication works. And uh, yeah, now here we are two years after that, and uh, we're doing a lot of deals. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you got quite a bit in the pipeline uh, from talking to the other day. So yeah, I think we're moving real fast. Now, how did you learn about syndication? And, you know, is it just you like, I just want to get bigger properties, more cash flow? Is that what kind of drew you to it? Or what was your, you know, your main driver for that? Um, it's funny. I had a phone conversation with a guy and I don't even remember his name now. It was just a random phone conversation and it really kind of changed my life a little bit, <laughs> to be honest with you. Because my goal was to ultimately get 20 units of smaller multifamily in the Florida area where I was living, kind of in central Florida. Um, and, and then I had this phone call with this guy and he was like, 20 units, you're thinking too small. And I was like, what do you mean I'm thinking too small? And then I got the book Multifamily Millions by Dave Lindahl. Mm-hmm. I read that and my brain just exploded. You know, <laughs> it's just, it was pretty much game over from there. Um, and yeah, I wanted to go big. So did you end up selling your smaller multis or did you keep I them? I did. Um, so I moved to Phoenix in right at the start of 2020, which was interesting timing, you know, right (laughs) right before everything (laughs) shut down. Yeah. And over the course of 2020, I had eight units there that I sold off and uh, profited pretty nice. Now looking back, I probably would have profited much nicer if I held them on just another (laughs) two years, but nobody knew what was going to happen at the start of 2020. And Mm -hmm. uh, I, I made some money and all of that money became seed capital that I still use today. Every time we need to do an earnest money deposit or something like that, it really (laughs) allows us to get into more deals. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. The market's gone crazy. I mean, who would have known (laughs) we'd be looking at this kind of appreciation, you know, two years after a pandemic. So yeah, pretty insane. What, um, maybe you could describe the first syndication deal you did, you know, what kind of financing you got, maybe how it differs from single family how it was raising capital, you know, your first time? Yeah. Um, So the first syndication deal, it took us a while to get, you know, in the beginning, it was a process of me really kind of out there by myself thinking I need to do all the broker relations. I need to raise the money. I need to underwrite every deal. And, you know, it, it was kind of a one man shop. And the truth is that multifamily is a team sport. Mm -hmm. Uh, It really is. So I was fortunate through a Facebook group to meet my current business partner, Mike. Um, And Mike really solved a lot of the issues that I was having at the time because I was going through like a shotgun approach where I was flying to South Carolina and to Tennessee and kind of all over the place to look at deals. And I had one broker over here and one broker over there. And I had no kind of like hyper focus on a specific geographic region. And then I met Mike and he had already been focusing heavily in the Southwest. Um, and I solved a problem for him. He actually had a deal, um, that was in best and final and his sponsor dropped out Hmm. and he reached out to this Facebook group and I happened to know the sponsor 
or somebody who could sponsor the deal. So we started talking about what that partnership might look like. He ended up not getting that deal in the end, but I did hook him up with the sponsor for it. And then um, we just, you know, really hit it off. And and that was about a year and a half ago now. So we've been working together ever since. And um, let's see, we got the first one. We actually, it was supposed to be a trio of pack of properties and we only ended up purchasing one of them. This was a 60 unit property in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Okay. Um, and I've had, I, I tell people this all the time. It is pretty much the opposite of what syndicators say your first deal should go like. So I think we were blessed <laughs> in that regard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was really smooth. The broker was excellent to work with. The seller was really patient with us. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we got everything we needed in a timely fashion. And, um, we managed to do the raise entirely by ourselves without capital raisers, the first deal. And um, it's just been an absolute cash cow since then as well. So <laughs> I will say that we've had deals since then, which are not nearly going to smoothly. <laughs> yeah. as, as far as, you know, the, the process of being under contract and dealing with sellers is concerned. But yeah, the first one was yeah. excellent. Yeah, it was a great <laughs> intro to the industry. That's awesome. Now you still, you still hold that one and what's your plan? What's your plan with it? Yeah. So it's, um, we've been really fortunate. It was the last property that the seller owned. Um, and he hadn't really raised the rents in like three years. And so we're doing a lot of exterior improvements. Now we've owned it for, gosh, we must've closed in May of 2021. So really been doing this less than a year. Um, but, um, so in about 10 months of ownership, we've been able to capture almost a $200 rent increase with minimal interior improvements. Um, but we're doing a lot of work as far as exterior is concerned, parking lot resurface, uh, just entire new parking lot, really, um, we're adding kind of an outdoor amenity area with, you know, pergola and grow and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're working on renovating the laundry area as well. So, um, you know, we've been really fortunate in that there was not really a lot that needed to be done to the interior of the units. Nice. Um, that being said, if you know Las Cruces, you have this beautiful mountain range near there called the Oregon mountains. And our property sits at the top of a hill with just sweeping mountain views. Wow. Um, So a certain portion of the units are going to be, you know, maybe a slightly higher premium, Mm -hmm. um, a slightly higher class. We'll go in there and do backsplashes, maybe granite. I don't know that that's entirely necessary, Um, but you know, nice floors, nice, nice cabinets. And if they have a mountain view, we'll be able to capture an additional premium for that. That's awesome. So basically 200 a unit plus maybe more of a bump on, on a premium unit. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And we purchased that. Um, so 10 months ago for about, I want to say 4.1, 4.2, something like that. Mm-hmm. And today it's already worth, I think we got a broker's opinion at like six, four. Really? And wow. uh, so we're, we're, well ahead of our year two metrics, both in terms of cash flow and appreciation. Um, and it's not even been a year yet. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Yeah, the inflation in the past uh, 12 months has been crazy, huh? I don't it think has. it's going to be going to be stopping either. <laughs> personally. No, no, but you know, it works in our favor. Exactly. <laughs> now, what kind of mindset challenges have you had, you know, being younger and getting into the business and anything you've had to overcome that you could share? Yeah, tons. <laughs> so, you know, I guess, first of all, yeah, I'm I'm 30 years old. Most of my friends are between 20 and 28 and not really in a position to invest. And, you know, I, I have to find people who are, and typically they're 10 to 15 years older than me, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so there, that was a, that was a bit of a hurdle in the beginning, but now, you know, I really, I have no issue with, um, you know, talking to people and raising capital. That's really kind of my area of focus. I, I would say that, you know, like I said, my business partner, he's really excellent with underwriting and broker relations, going back to the team thing. I focus on a lot of the capital raising and marketing strategy and everything like that. Um, and then, you know, the, there are, since then, I would say there are some crazy things that have happened. You know, just two months ago, we put in an offer on a property that was $100 million dollars right? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we offered 99 and we ultimately were, were, I think in second place on that one, wow. somebody offered over, like they offered 101 or something like that. But, um, yeah. you know, that was a huge mental hurdle to overcome. Like, are we I really bet. doing this? Are we putting an <laughs> offer on a hundred million dollar property? I mean, just yeah. saying hundred million dollars <laughs> is pretty intense. Right. But the math made sense and we have the connections now in terms of institutional financing and investors to, to take something like that down. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's just, even after the first deal, um, you know, there's a lot of like little mental hurdles you have to overcome in this business. Yeah. I mean, a hundred million, the capital raise on that would be pretty significant. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, even if you get institutional money involved, you're still looking at, you know, so let's call it 33 that needs to be raised at right. least maybe 15, 20 of that comes from institutional money, but then you still got to raise 10 or 15 mil. Yeah, right? yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, that's cool. Can you uh, give us an overview of your business model, Nimble Capital Group's model of how you yeah, guys buy? Yeah, well, so we actually have two arms of the business. Um, so ideally, uh, and this is really the one I focus on more, is value add multifamily. We're looking for properties that you know are below market rents. I mean, this is kind of your standard thing that a mm-hmm. lot of syndicators are looking for. It's the golden goose, you know, rents right. <laughs> like yeah. our first property, the rents are $200, $300 below market, minimal improvements. You know, we want to mm-hmm. do um, maybe not the hairiest deals, but deals with some hair on them so that we can go in and actually reposition and improve the properties. Um, ideally we're looking for something large enough to have its own leasing office because there's a lot of yeah. advantages that come with properties of that size where everything is self-contained. Mm-hmm. Um, but additionally, like 75 and up or what, what number do you usually? Yeah, clo- closer to a hundred, I would say. Yeah. Typically has its own leasing office. And, and I mean, you know, we're looking at two and 300 unit properties too. Mm-hmm. We are closing today or tomorrow on a 200 nice. unit property in San Antonio. That oh, congratulations. 
Yeah, that one's been a journey. We've been under contract for nearly four months on it. So <laughs> really that not as smooth as the first one, right? <laughs> not nearly, no. It's come with some interesting challenges, but it's actually a sweet deal. Um, right. You know, just, you know, dealing with sellers and dealing with brokers isn't always <laughs> like it was going to be on the first. On the right. first. Um, but yeah, so, and then the other side of our business is we're actually doing development and redevelopment. So we bought 14 acres of land here in uh, Casa Grande, Arizona, which is a city that's going to undergo tremendous growth. And we are in the entitlement phase right now where we're going to be building 176 units on that. And nice. um, we also have a commercial property, which is sort of a mix of retail and, and we're putting in a restaurant and brewery. So we're, oh, we're wow, cool. yeah, we're we're redeveloping that as well. So nice. Is it planned uh, to hold those or kind of syndication model and sell it, or what are you thinking? You know, that is a funny question because here's the thing about syndication: you are ultimately responsible. You're the fiduciary of your investors' money, right? And investors right. don't like it when you keep their money longer than five years, typically. Mm -hmm. Right. So all of our deals, we try to write into a five-year framework. If we can't conservatively provide a 2X equity multiple in five years, it's probably not something we want to get into. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, anything better than that or shorter than that is very attractive. Mm -hmm. uh, however, the longer you hold the properties, the sweeter the returns keep getting. You know, right. if, if I wasn't responsible for returning investor capital, I would want to hold these things forever. Right, exactly. Uh, so, you know, there are some ways that you can do that in the end of the deal and potentially buying out your investors to keep, you know, to keep the property. Um, and ultimately, I think that would be an awesome thing to accomplish. But, you know, there, the other option is you do JVs. So we have a 20 unit under contract in New Mexico right now. A um, little bit of a smaller deal, but, you know, the raise on that is sub 500K, which means probably don't need to syndicate that. And that really mm -hmm. opens up a lot of doors as far as what kind of cash flow you're entitled to as because there's no GP anymore. Right. So, yeah. um, and, and how long you can keep it. And I think that's pretty cool too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now in that 20 unit, how would you have the management set up on that? Would you pull from another property you have or just, you yeah, know, so that's of... in the same city. That's also in Las Cruces, New Mexico. So okay. it's just about, four minutes down the street from our other property, which, you know, I really like that market. It's, it's kind of a little sleeper market. It's actually the second largest city in New Mexico. But if you ask really? me, well, where's Las Cruces, most of them won't know. Well, it's actually just 30 minutes across the border from El Paso, Texas, down there in, hmm. in Southern New Mexico. And, you know, New Mexico state is there. You got white, white sands missile base. And, and I mean, we're just having an absolutely fantastic result from our first property there. So we want to get more. Um, and uh, it's also one of those markets where there's like five or six families who own there and they just kind of trade amongst each other. Right. <laughs> it's been difficult, you know, to sort of break in, but anything mm -hmm. we can get, we want to get there. It's a cool market. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Now, what are your what are your personal goals for 2022? And then what are your company goals as well for this year? Um, personally. My goal this year is to entirely automate my marketing funnel. Um, so new website, social media presence, growing followers, growing our investor base. You know, that's really 
where I put my time and effort into the business on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as the company goals, um, you know, we're on track to probably add over 800 units this year. Nice. Um, as of today or tomorrow, our portfolio value should exceed 50 million on active under management. And mm-hmm. uh, I could easily foresee us getting to 100 million by the end of the year. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Awesome, man. Now, how is capital raising? Has it been uh, difficult or gotten easier, you know, after that first deal? You just have more people coming in the pipeline or how's that been looking for you? Um, it, it's been a mixed journey. Because, uh, you know, the first couple of deals is all friends and family money um, and 506B raises and things like that. And and I was extremely excited to try my first 506C and see, you know, oh, if I have the power to advertise the deal now, right? what kind of bites can I get? And mm-hmm. uh, turns out it doesn't actually matter because nobody's <laughs> going to invest with you. They don't like know, like, and trust you. True. Right. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter how, you know, you put a deal all over the internet. Well, maybe they know you now, but they don't like or trust you yet. Right. Right. So really treating everyone, treating every deal like it's a 506B raise is, is kind of um, the way we've had to go about it. And, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're growing our investor base definitely. But, you know, the first couple is like, well, maybe a friend or a family invests 100K or 50K with you but then they don't have that to invest in the next deal. So mm-hmm. like I said, my entire goal this year is to continue growing my investor base so that I can, you know, have that money ready before yeah. I have the deal. Yeah, exactly. And that's really a full-time job as well. I mean, I guess what's, what is your daily, uh, you know, your daily routine look like as a, as a syndicator? Well, every day is different, certainly. Um, but I do, thrive in routine. So every morning I wake up and I make my coffee and I, there's a great book called Miracle Morning. I don't know if any of you oh, yeah. listen to it, but I absolutely love doing that in the Miracle Morning. You know, he says there's like five or six things you got to do every morning before you even look at your phone. And then you have right. the most productive day of your life. And uh, <laughs> it's, it works. So it's <laughs> <laughs> a big difference when after yeah. you run it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that book changed my life for sure. And I, I like getting up and, um, Man, it's a lot of phone calls. It really yeah. is. <laughs> I, I'm fortunate in the sense that, you know, being a business owner and an entrepreneur, you can kind of have set aside the time to do the things you want in your day. If I want to go to the grocery store at 3 p.m., I could just do that, right? Right. Or if yeah. I want to go to the gym at, you know, 12, I can just do that. And that's mm-hmm. great. But yeah, a lot of my day is spent on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Especially with the capital raising side. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Oh, you've done a lot of, you know, a lot of investments, single family, flipping, small multi, big multifamily. What's, I guess, the worst deal you've had or the, the biggest mistake you've done that you could share and, you know, kind of what you learned from that? Yeah. Well, so I can actually tell you, this was my sort of aha moment of why I stopped flipping and got into and said, you know, there's got to be a better way and, and started focusing heavily on the rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, So I had a deal that I managed to flip. It took a little bit longer than I wanted to do the renovation. And um, we got it under contract, full price offer on day one. I was looking at, I think, over a hundred grand in profit on that deal. And I, man, as soon as that happened, I 
<laughs> I would already, I had already <laughs> put that money in the bank in my mind. Right. right. Yeah. Mistake. Um, because sure enough, the, um, the buyer's realtor did not prep them for what kinds of things are normal on an inspection report mm. and what kind of things you can and can't expect. And, and you know, this was like every circuit surface in this house was touched. There was nothing that we didn't go in and fix, but man, you know, they, they saw that inspection report and you know how inspectors are looking. Oh, yeah. They, they got to earn that fee, <laughs> you know, got to earn their fee. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, the buyer freaked out and, and went away um, mm-hmm. or, you know, canceled the contract. And then over the course of the next six months, I had to keep lowering and lowering and lowering the price. And someone down the street sold their house, which became a new comp. And that like chopped like 40,000 off my value immediately. <laughs> And I watched, you know, over six figures of profit turn into, I think, 30 at the end. But it took me almost 11 months start to finish to make that 30K. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, <laughs> this, <sucks. Yeah. laughs> this really sucks. Um, and, and that's just, you know, when you're talking about residential versus commercial, you know, the, the comps issue is a huge thing. Also, mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, a lot of people who are buying residential property, maybe it's their first time buying a house or it's the biggest financial decision they've ever made in their lives. And there's a lot of emotions attached. Right. But when you're talking about commercial, those problems are fixed. Mm-hmm. These are professional operators. This is a business. You don't have that same level of emotion attached. Right. And the value of the property is determined by an equation which has physical levers that you can actually move. Yeah. That's the part that I love so much. You exactly. know, I love having physical control over the value of the asset. I think mm-hmm. that is just <laughs> not what the house next door is sold for, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can increase your NOI, you know, decrease expenses, and that there's your value right there. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Uh, so this is, you know, the passive road to retirement. So I always got to ask, what would be your strategy, your number one strategy for the listeners to get that first stream of passive income? Well, I, I, I'm biased, but I would say I'm invest with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, but, but I mean, passive income is, is really the goal, right? You know, in this country, we talk a lot about, retirement. And I just hate that word. I hate that idea of, you know, working all your life to get a big check at the end and then you're supposed to spend every penny of it and then die. Yeah. Right. Like I think that's just ludicrous. If you're in good enough shape to even go out and spend it. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And you know, but if you create passive income, then the money's there, whether you get off the couch or not, that's what I love. And, um, you know, as far as me and my plan, you know, as a syndicator and as a GP, you are typically not making almost anything in terms of cash flow in these yeah. deals. Not nowadays. Um, you know, all of the cash flow goes to the investors. Um, but you do get an act fee up front and mm-hmm. then you get the equity on the backside. And my I'm pretty much done taking my act fees at this point. So I'm going to roll all of my act fees into the deal itself because I want to be an LP on all of my deals. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and, you know, slowly build that up over time. And I have a goal of a million dollars a year passively. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that sounds kind of like, wow, that's a lot of money to make every year, maybe to some people, but like the road to get there is really straightforward. If you can, let's say have $10 million passive or, you know, earning 10% a year, Yep, there it is. But you can do easily, right? I mean, in these syndication deals. I mean, it'll take some time for sure, but you know, it's it's, yeah. it's a clear path to get there. Yeah, exactly. I agree. That's a great goal. <laughs> I have something similar along those lines. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So, <clears throat> if you could step into my shoes for the interview, uh, what question would you ask yourself that I didn't ask you? Oh man. I don't know. What's with all the guitars? Yeah. <laughs> I asked you that before the interview. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> no, that's true. Cool. Well, what's the best best way for people to reach out to you? Either social media, you know, website, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I know this is a lesser used platform, but I am very active on LinkedIn. I check mine every day. I try to post a lot on there. Um, so I would say reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can go to my company's website, nimblecraftcapitalgroup.com and uh, fill out the contact us form. Um, yeah. Cool. I look at all my LinkedIn messages. Awesome. Now we go to our five to thrive, which is our word association game. So basically, I'm just going to rapid fire five words to you and just give me back the first word or phrase that comes to your mind. Only caveat is you cannot repeat your answer twice. Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first one, real estate investing. Cash flow. Cap rate. Too low. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> For sure. Financial freedom. Passive income. Multifamily versus single family investing. <laughs> Multifamily. Yeah. <laughs> and Nimble Capital Group. Oh, man. Can I say a sentence? Yeah. I guess I'll, I'll use the word explosive because no, that has been our growth trajectory for the last 10 months, man. It's going fast. That's awesome. That's a good answer. <laughs> well, hey, Mike, I appreciate you coming on, man. It was great to see you. And uh, I appreciate your time. 